Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my latest podcast episode, I break down what's really going on in the Muscle Farm bankruptcy case and provide some insights around where everything could be going next. But before we get started, I would love if you took 56 seconds out of your day to leave a rating review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Just like Midnight changes everything for Cinderella, Muscle Farm did something right before the start of the intellectual property public auction that also changes everything. While Muscle Farm being the Cinderella underdog story of the sports nutrition industry might be a huge stretch, The company is certainly down on its luck and dreaming of a better life someday. To even have the chance at a better life, we must swap out an important detail around this Disney story. Instead of the fairy godmother, Muscle Farm has the United States Bankruptcy Court District of Nevada. Yes, many of you already read the headlines, but on December 15th of 2022, Muscle Farm filed voluntary petitions for protection under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code. Bankruptcy. Yikes. That word just creates an instant negative reaction in our minds, right? The fact is that bankruptcy is highly misunderstood and automatically gets tons of negativity placed on it. Now, I'm not going to give you the dense business school run-through as I'm sure there's tons of Google machine or chat GTP queries that can help you if you care that much, but just understand there are a handful of different bankruptcy types. The two forms of bankruptcy that most people are familiar with yet incorrectly combine is chapter seven and chapter 11. Chapter seven is a total liquidation is the most common type of bankruptcy for individuals. Typically, businesses don't file Chapter 7 because that type of bankruptcy won't help them keep the company's doors open. So instead, most businesses file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is essentially a reorganization plan that both the court and the creditors must approve. Also, because the bankrupt business stays operational during this process, it almost always requires them to secure what they call debtor in possession or DIP financing. And you might be asking yourself, what would entice a lender to work with an insolvent company? DIP financing is given first priority on assets in the case of the company's liquidation, an authorized budget, a premium or market interest rate, and any additional kind of comfort measures that the court or the lender believes warrants inclusion. This is the case in the Muscle Farm bankruptcy. I won't run through all the terms because it's 
frankly not that important, but as it is stated in the court documents, they're being supported by several million in additional financing set for kind of different buckets of utilization and many more millions in factoring financing to keep product in inventory. This is being provided by the collateral agent, AKA the before mentioned seller of Muscle Farm Intellectual Property, AKA a portion of the hedge fund Empry Asset Management. Okay, so as you can see, at least in the short term, Muscle Farm will not be going out of business. But let's go back to mid-December of 2022 and explain why it's taken me so long to get this Muscle Farm bankruptcy content created for you. Well, at first, the bankruptcy filing was quite bare, which signals to me that it was obviously rushed. So I waited for more details to emerge because I wasn't going to make content on boilerplate nonsense that just wastes everybody's time. But what started slow sped up fast. And in the last like 80 or so days, there's been about 300 court documents and counting that amounts to more than a thousand pages. I've read through much of that in hopes that I can provide facts on the Muscle Farm bankruptcy and break down what everything ultimately means for the company and then the entire kind of sports nutrition market. Okay, a lot is going on, but a good spot to kind of start might be to mention the sort of battle between two hedge funds. The already mentioned Empery, they were the one that provided private securities to Muscle Farm about 18 months ago and required them to secure it by collateral. Since Muscle Farm was not able to meet the terms of the debt, Empery essentially owns everything valuable at Muscle Farm, whether that's the intellectual property or hard goods like inventory. The other hedge fund would be White Winston, which I believe was the biggest public shareholder of Muscle Farm at the time of the bankruptcy outside of then CEO and chairman of Muscle Farm, Ryan Drexler. Now, White Winston would be what I would describe as a frenemy to Muscle Farm. And here's my understanding of the relationship. On one hand, White Winston sued Muscle Farm a handful of years ago because of a deal that saw Ryan Drexler convert around $18 million in debt into equity, thus diluting White Winston and other shareholders. Then, on the other hand, White Winston and Ryan Drexler recently tried to settle that lawsuit where they would be kind of exchanging cash for some of Ryan Drexler's legacy debt. Now, why would White Winston want debt? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For one, common shareholders are usually the lowest class to get paid anything from a bankruptcy proceeding. Secondly, they likely wanted to be given like better consideration for the DIP financing that they offered to Muscle Farm, which has created a bit of like bidding war between White Winston and Empry for who gets that DIP financing. Again, just my interpretation of the business squabble, but Let's shift into who some of the main creditors are in the Muscle Farm bankruptcy case. In terms of companies that are owed over $1 million, 
You have the contract manufacturers, SK Laboratories, and then also Millhaven Foods that hold the highest amounts. And then additionally, you have the Protein Bar, Coman, Bakery Barn, and then the Dairy Ingredient Supplier, Atlantic Grain and Trade. I'd argue the powder co-packers that I mentioned, plus JW Nutritional, will come up with an amicable plan to sustain work for Muscle Farm because of the DIP financing slash factoring deal that's in place. Additionally, and this was something I mentioned in earlier content, but the new CEO that's now confirmed, Eric Hillman, has a great deal of equity in the supplement industry. Since it's now apparent he will flex that muscle to help Muscle Farm, he should be able to kind of help sales revenue rebound in the post-Costco era, persuade talent to kind of pitch in on his transformation plan, and rebuild trust with the supply-side partners like these manufacturers and ingredient suppliers. All that being said, Eric Hillman isn't a magician. <laughs> Muscle Farm deteriorated since the early 2000s golden years when I was a part of the sports nutrition brand's hyper-growth phase. The fact is, the Muscle Farm of today is unrecognizable to the one that I left over a decade ago. The muscle farm that was handed to Eric Hillman needs a lot. On the business front, love him or hate him, after Brad Pyatt resigned, all of the vision for Muscle Farm left with him. The last six-ish years at Muscle Farm has been filled with chasing off-brand trends, totally wrecking any semblance of brand standards, and basically losing all emotional connection with its consumer base. Where does that usually lead you? Serving the wrong master, aka chasing sell-in retail dollars. Without supporting the brand or customer long-term, eventually velocities will start to slow and you can even lose those placements altogether. I don't want to sugarcoat shit here because I've lost my filter for that a long time ago. So the chance of getting back to the heyday of Muscle Farm, both in its influence or impact and revenue, is a statistical anomaly. But even clawing back to the level of the last few years will be extremely tough. One of the kind of interesting things about the bankruptcy process is that even though Muscle Farm hasn't filed audited earnings reports to the SEC for the last probably about a year, they have to submit monthly unaudited financial statements to the court. That gives us a peek into the progress Eric Hillman has made as CEO. Admittedly, this isn't a fair way to judge the Hillman era so far, but it's still an important data point for anyone interested in the Muscle Farm bankruptcy proceedings. In January of 2023, Muscle Farm had net revenue of 228000 at a gross margin of 31.7%. Now, even without the massive legal fees, Muscle Farm would not be able to be profitable at that small amount of revenue. At that gross margin, and then if you still consider the high legal fees continuing, Muscle Farm would need to have a current break-even point at around a net revenue level of $1.5 billion. It seems absurd to be able to like 7x the business for profitability, but January was low due to the timing of payments and the monthly accounts receivable reported was around $400,000 that came mostly from BJ's Wholesale and their Amazon reseller. You also have to consider that in 2021, the company had revenues of around $50 million. Now, that was when Costco basically amounted to over $2 million in monthly revenue. 
So if you strip that out, you also account for additional loss of revenue from deterioration of brand and mismanagement of inventory controls, you get about a $15 million business in 2023. That's realistically where Muscle Farm is right now. So to kind of wrap this content up, at least for now, where does Muscle Farm go next? Bankruptcy won't be the last we hear about Muscle Farm. Firstly, the company's assets still have value in the marketplace, but it will obviously be a shell of its dynamic, vibrant, lime green MP former self. Secondly, the owner of the company's assets is now a hedge fund. They gave Muscle Farm DIP financing because they see what I see in terms of undervalued assets. Empri will most likely be the approved bankruptcy bidder and take the company out of bankruptcy as a private company. After that, they will give Eric Hillman a short leash to get the company stabilized and profitable. When that happens, they will likely shop the brand around to the same interested buyers that were in that intellectual property auction. My hope, as someone that was at Muscle Farm in those golden years, is that the next owner after Empry is a strategic buyer that will be a shepherd to the brand in its latter part of its life cycle. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 